Happy holidays from the community newspapers. I'm Kristen Rosen Gonzalez, and I have a special holiday gift here, sitting here with me today. Um, she is a hot commodity. She, Tanya Cruz Jimenez, you just filed yesterday. Yesterday. A candidate for the Coral Gables Commission. Is it commission or council? Commission, group two. So you are... Carlos Jimenez's daughter-in-law. Yes. And you probably hate that I brought that up first, but I think that in this campaign, and what I thought was so interesting is you are this accomplished woman. You are a working mother. You are an attorney. Uh, you uh, are a successful campaign consultant, and you've been around politics for a long time. So immediately out of the gate, you've been defined as uh, somebody's daughter-in-law. But which you I are, knew would happen, which I knew would happen. But you are so much more than that. And I liked your uh, quote in the Herald, which was, I am Tanya Cruz Jimenez. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to, this is exciting. I mean, you it have. Is, it's absolutely exciting. It's actually moving much faster than I could have expected. As you know, I didn't actually plan on filing yesterday. I was going to plan on filing on Friday, but the rumors started getting out and I just said, okay, I just have to jump. Uh, well, I checked it. Uh, you know, the filing fee in Coral Gables is 315 bucks, huh? It's cheap. You want to run in Coral Gables? Well, mm -hmm. not this cycle, but you know. <laughs> There's a lot of people know. Um, I saw that you went in and you filed. Were you nervous? How did you feel when you were uh, signing those papers to put your name on a ballot? It was really exciting. But at the same time, I expected, I don't know, more pomp and circumstance. And then you walk into an office and you sign these papers and it's really fast. And I was like, wow, it's done. Okay. So I've never been on that side of it. I've been you know, behind the scenes working on the campaign. So it's, it's a very different perspective to be a candidate. That's for, for sure. me going in and, and writing my check and signing the oath and filing those papers was always an emotional experience. No, it was amazing. It was just because then you're, you're there. That I'm means there, and I was just like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and um, that's it. There's yeah. no... No, and then your name goes into this database, and you start getting calls from all of these different local campaign consultants, and you're like, wait. Well, consultants, but, you know, just the People friends in and family and the community. I mean, the outpouring of support that I've had. Have um, you had a lot of calls these past few days? Oh, my goodness. Really? Calls, text messages, and so that's the other thing. So as I'm... Well, I think that Coral Gables needs a change right now. I watched a three-hour meeting that took place a couple of weeks ago, and it was about that controversial Miracle Miles zoning. And one thing that everybody in that meeting, and I think there were 280 residents that attended that community meeting in Coral Gables, they kept saying, hey, uh, you're not informing the community. So right now, Coral Gables needs a resident voice, and you are a Coral Gables resident, obviously, and you live a few blocks from Miracle Mile. Yeah, a few blocks from Miracle Mile. Uh, been there for 14 years in the North Gables. You know, specifically, you know, I've lived in a lot of places, but I moved there because it had this balance. Um, Tree-lined streets, suburbia. It's sort beautiful. Of and she lives in a historic home, by the way. Yeah. I knocked on your door once during my congressional well, in fact, campaign. Yeah, my husband told me when he met you, he's like, oh, I met the, the progressive one. You know, my husband's a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I knocked on a lot of those doors, but it's a beautiful tree-lined street and it's filled with historic homes. And wouldn't you hate it if they can't, if builders came into your neighborhood and started building huge big box homes no, in the absolutely. middle of your beautiful in my street. House, it's a 1924 Walter de Garmo. It's small. It's small. So I could have gotten a much bigger house somewhere else. But why did I move there? Because I could walk to Miracle Mile. To me, that it's part of my backyard. It's part of our home. 
So what happens on Miracle Mile directly, you know, reflects, you know, on, on your quality of life or di directly affects your quality of life. You know, it was interesting during that hearing on Miracle Mile, a lot of people kept saying, well, this is a commercial center. Uh, there are not a lot of residents living there within walking distance, but that's just not that's true. That's not true at all. I mean, how many blocks are you from Miracle Mile? Maybe seven or eight tops. Yeah. So, and a lot of people, so you guys, if you go out to dinner, will you take a car? Or will you walk when you go? It depends, um, but we walk a lot. When it's during the day, we generally walk with the family or with the dogs. If it's at night, frankly, we don't even do dinners so much. It's really lunches. Because you have two small children. We have two correct? small children. And so um, I used to work in downtown, actually. So, you know, I'm part city girl. I'm part island girl since I lived in Hawaii. But I love living in downtown, the big buildings and everything. But I loved Coral Gables. But about three years ago, because of the development there, the traffic started getting out of control. and Like gridlock. Yeah, the gridlock. And you know how the, <laughs> the bridge going up and down on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to get into the Brickell area? At one point, it had broken. And I remember it was stuck at 8 in the morning. And I had to leave the office at about 1130 to attend um, my daughter's kindergarten preschool recital she was dressed as a pilgrim so she's about five years old so cute and so it was at 12 30 so you know I, I should have had ample time to get there within an hour an hour and a half the bridge was still stuck up i could not get there i got there after it was over i was heartbroken i missed it mama you <gasps> missed it you Isn't missed that the worst feeling when you're stuck in traffic and you need to be someplace yeah. there's nothing like that anxiety and the especially. teachers were holding it for me but that's it you know there were other working parents and so they had to let it go my daughter was devastated and of course i was devastated as a mom that guilt that you feel oh they're definitely going to bring that up later on and like oh, my they, kids they do never too. they're like it. you missed our recital and I, I forgot like sometimes I'd be doing something really important I'd be at some hearing and I'd be getting a FaceTime from one of my kids and I'd be like I'm in a meeting <laughs> Can I call you back so no but it's important it's That's important all, that, to have that, working mother but that made my because of that I decided to leave downtown and to start my own practice and get to, to get the office downtown which something that I didn't think I would like I wanted to have the the city but in terms of the decision I made, I've never looked back. I love being there. So right now, 90% of our life is really centered right there. So your office is in Coral Gables mm -hmm. and your children Sevilla. go to school? At Coral Gables Prep in the public school on Menorca and Ponce. So we live on Menorca. So blocks down is Menorca and Ponce, the, the girls' school. And on Sevilla is our... Well, that office. makes it so much easier. Can of they course. walk to school by themselves? or I, do you... I'm, I'm not ready. How old, how old are they again? Eight and 11. Eight and 11. You know, one great thing about being a working mother serving on in local government is that you really can be a liaison between uh, the PTAs and the school board. And you understand what's happening because so many times you have a bunch of men sitting on a dais and some of them might be fathers, but they're really not uh, participating they're not in a way. They're not engaged in the way that a mother No, is. no. I don't, don't want to speak for every single father, but, you know, generally the mother's job is a different job. Yeah, there's nothing like, you know, being the mom. At the end of the day, you are responsible, you know, for the lunches and, you know, you are, you know, you are talking to the other moms you're probably more. You're the one who thinks about health care. You're the one who thinks about safety, about all of those issues, about education. And so, <clears throat> absolutely. 
No, it's important, especially now more than ever, because the school boards are underfunded. A lot of municipalities have been funding different programs in the schools. And in Miami Beach, for example, uh, we worked with our PTAs. We fund uh, school nurses in every single school. I don't know if you guys have that in Coral Gables, but that could be something that you do. We funded an international baccalaureate program mm -hmm. so that in Miami Beach, all of our uh, students can graduate with, they start in a feeder school, an elementary school with IB. So if you get on this commission, you can really work with those PTAs. TAs and make a huge change working Absolutely. with the school board and the school board's delighted because a lot of times they want to do stuff and they just don't have the funding to do it. But a place like Coral Gables, and I don't know what the budget is in Coral Gables, but I feel like you guys are a pretty wealthy municipality, right? Absolutely. But at the same time, we have, you know, economic issues that we have to deal with on the long term because of the pandemic and the closures. True. But I mean, you guys have how, your tax basis has grown so much over the past few years with these massive buildings, which I really dislike. I got to tell you. And well, they're all the same style. They all look quasi like nouveau Spanish and what, and, and mission. What, and what's interesting about those buildings now, uh -huh. though, because of the pandemic, it's really changed the landscape of everything. So how many of these uh, business owners that have very, you know, class A office space have said, I don't really need 10,000 square feet. My, you know, the vast majority of my staff and my employees can work from home. So a lot of these buildings are they office buildings a lot of the a lot of them in the downtown the big ones are office buildings or they're mixed use well you're going to see that a lot of those buildings will be converting possible to residential uses in mm -hmm. the future if they possibly can they might not be able to though because you have to have like kitchens and i don't know if those offices come equipped with that whatever kind of happens now on a going forward basis you know when they were thinking about uh rezoning and starting to look into it it was in 2018 that was pre-pandemic mm -hmm. but the world changed Nobody expected it to happen, but it has. And so we have to deal with the realities of the landscape that we're in now. And so right now, as we are talking about the future of Coral Gables, Miracle Mile, of just Coral Gables writ large, we have to think about all of these factors. We have to think about the impact the pandemic had on safety, on schools, on businesses, on our tax base, because if these businesses are closed, our taxes are subsidized by those businesses, as are our general services. It's a huge problem that people don't realize is that most of the taxes that are charged are commercial mm -hmm. buildings. And a lot of these buildings, because they're empty or people are not paying their rent, they are going back to the tax they're getting their properties reassessed this this year. So for the next year, I think municipalities, at least in Miami Beach, we're going to see a huge reduction in our tax basis. And I'm wondering, I don't know how that works in Coral Gables. But one thing that I find is the, people want to control the density. I don't know if they're keeping, if planning and zoning in Coral Gables is keeping track of the amount of units that have been built over the past um three years, but I think it needs a master plan at this point. And you have to say, okay, we are putting a cap on the amount of new small, uh, you know, rental units. I mean, I, I don't think there's a plan. You could I, tell that there was no plan. Listen, it's, it's ad hoc and, you know, they're trying to deal with one issue here and one issue there. And I understand perhaps that was the appropriate approach at a different time. But right now, I think an article that I read uh, by uh, Andres Figalucci, 11-28-2020, I think the last count was 37 storefronts that have been shut down, okay? On Miracle Mile uh, or Mir just throughout the city? I, I believe it was Miracle Mile, according to this article. And, Gosh. And, it's, and it's horrible. And I saw it happening. It was happening already before the streetscapes. For example, uh, Tarpon Bend closing down. That had nothing to do with the pandemic. That was the streetscaping project. Two years, $25 million later, I loved it in the sense that, yeah, okay, it opened up the sidewalks and now we had more outdoor dining. I'm very big on outdoor dining. Um, but 
you know, the work was kind of shoddy. It took a long time. And how many businesses closed as a result of that? No, and it's hard. My former uh, my former son-in-law actually has a restaurant on Miracle Mile, a popular Italian one called Fratellini. Oh, I love that one. And um, I'm sure, I don't know if you have you ever met him, Beto, he's really cute. Not sure. I had a very cute <laughs> son-in-law. Um, <laughs> but the father was, was good looking too. Um, anyway, he is, uh, you know, he's still open, but I'm sure that he has struggled tremendously. I think that that streetscape was stupid because you reduced the amount of parking that you had. I mean, I think you had a lot more parking before. I understand the beautification aspect, but sometimes you think that reducing parking, nobody wanted to valet. The beauty of Miracle Mile was kind of pulling up and getting out well, of their look, car. Now, here, look, now you've got to deal with it. Listen, okay. and, there, and there are pros and cons. The traffic issue, the parking issue is definitely an issue. But at the same time, now that it's bigger, for example, I because I lived in New Jersey, we could only go out about three months of the year because it was too cold. The elements didn't permit it. So mm -hmm. I'm the weirdo that in July, I actually sit outside and eat. I enjoy it. Um, I don't mind. Yeah, I'm used so, to the heat. So here. most people didn't like that. But now with the pandemic, I mean, they are recommending that you eat outside. And so if you don't have that ability, if you didn't have these large sidewalks, how many of those businesses, the ones that are, that are remaining, by the way, would be able to, you know, to keep open their doors? So, well, the problem, so I understand why they want to make a change in Miracle Mile because they feel like there's not enough foot traffic and it's almost like you want to build a little bit of residential over these businesses so that you activate the street and you have people walking. But I think that the fear in the community is that you're going to get those massive structure, structures like they've seen everywhere else. And I think that the community just wants somebody who's really going to advocate for the residents. I heard a lot of resident activists who said again and again, especially the head of Sue, and she's the head of the Coral Gables uh, Neighbors mm -hmm. Association. She kept saying, I am not against development. I just think Neither that they're worried that it's gonna be runaway development. And it seems like a lot of people are saying the same thing, but for whatever reason, their skepticism or they're afraid that these developers are going to swoop in and then build these massive buildings. So, okay, so how so, do you feel about okay, this? Okay, so let me begin with this. I agree with Sue. I'm neither pro-development or anti-development or pro-preservation or anti-preservation. I'm a balanced person. Not pro, pro you have to be pro-preservation. No, but I'm pro-preservation. So let me just say, <laughs> I am not a person that's going to say you cannot build anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. You cannot build anything. You cannot have a, a commercial corridor because I don't like any traffic. You don't traffic. want to be radical. Okay. I'm not a radical one way or the other, one extreme or the other. Development is, improp is, is important, but smart development, as is preservation. And we have to keep the characteristic of Coral Gables as Coral Gables. It's not downtown. I don't want to live in downtown. If I were 20-something, yeah, I would be, you know, one of those condos would be cool, but I'm not. I'm a 45-year-old mother. I have three dogs. You know, I want my house and my backyard. You want to be on a tree-lined street. You don't want to be, do. you know, yeah, because I, I will say when you build, when you overbuild and you have a lot of rental units and you have a lot of transient people, you will see that it will become dirtier and crime will increase. And I don't think that these municipalities are going to have the budgets to keep up with the amount of, that they're building, especially and the, other thing is the traffic. People, when you say transients, people are not invested in the community. And one thing that you can, that I, I always knew, but like these past few weeks have really demonstrated to me is that the people in this community really care. They care. They love that. And they want their voices to be heard. But, you know, we're not just living here. Oh, my God, we're elitist. We live in Coral Gables. No, I think the vast majority of us love the city beautiful and what it has to offer. 
it's, it's special. And it's we a want special, to keep it special. It's a really special place. And I think that there really has to be a little bit of a pause in terms Absolutely. Of, of, of increasing density. I think that's kind of what residents I mostly... think there has to be a... Listen, the residents, the stakeholders need to be heard. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I mean all stakeholders. The residents, the business owners, everyone. We need to come up with something that is long-term. If we're an inflection point right now because of all of the things that have happened, because of all these businesses that are closed... You know, we can really do something that's interesting and that will solve or foresee whatever these issues are. Not that you can foresee every problem in life, but that you can really take a lot of them into account and plan with a strategy so that Good you luck. do not have <laughs> two years, $25 million later, you have the streetscape, the build, uh, the offices, or I'm sorry, the businesses that survived, then hit a pandemic and then they close. And then you have another discussion. Well, we should, uh, you know, let's renovate. just keep building. Let's they... renovate Mir Miracle Mile. Well, what did you just do two years ago? So if we're going to do it, you know, a lot of businesses are out right now. Well, let's do it in a way that we know um, the community wants that'll help our community and that'll benefit the community. But again, with the. But with why are people not going to Miracle Mile right now? I mean, there like, I, I know that Roman Jones just opened a really cool place called the Gramercy. Yes. It, I, I haven't been there. Open. We have to I, go there for a drink. Absolutely. You know? I heard it's, I heard it's okay. great and I'm hoping to go, you know, within the next week. Um, but okay, Gramercy just opened. I think. Um, but people aren't going. Why? Why is that? I mean, why are why are these restaurants like Ortonique? Uh, that was a, or a an acre. Well, it, the pandemic they were just closed, and then because they were small inside, you had these um, the requirements. Uh, so it was the construction plus the pandemic that so just it's put the construction. them over there. So if if a lot died during the, during the construction or right after the construction, like Tarpon Bend, because at that point they had all this pain, you know, in terms of, you know, lack of business, construction, et cetera. They invested all this money in the restaurant. And then what happens? The developers shut up the rent and then they couldn't deal with it anymore. Well, so that really is a problem that we're having because a lot of large corporations are coming in and buying these buildings in large REITs and uh, they use a tax write-off if something if they they can show a tax write-off if, if it's empty so a lot of these uh developers just will buy the land and hold on to it until they can change the zoning to resell it and they don't necessarily care if they have a loss in short-term rent because they know that they're going to change the zoning and make up the profit later and the question is what can we do or what can you what you know what what can we do in local government to combat that and it's you know it's it's, it's difficult I'm not going to tell you I have all the answers. I'm mm -hmm. right now, um, and I say yet. <laughs> I don't have all I'm the so answers excited that yet. she's running, by the way. She, you know, you are such a dynamic woman from the first time that I met you. I just, you, you know, you're charismatic. Yeah, I mean, you're charismatic. You have a strong personality. You're Thank so you. smart. I mean, I feel like you'd be such an asset to, to Coral Gables. How are you going to, okay, so your election is in a few months and you have not necessarily, you can't really, I mean, you're going to have to go out and knock on doors. Are you oh, not? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you, are you, when are you, when are you going to start? You January. Better... Well, the actual knocking <laughs> on doors, January 3rd. I don't think it's appropriate to bother you on Christmas, you know, and knock on your See, door. I would have been there with like a candy cane, but I guess these are different times in yeah. COVID. Yeah. But, and... uh, but I'll be basically raising money and just meeting different stakeholders in the community right now. And you're so, yeah, I mean, you're, you are, uh, you know, a Cuban American uh, from New Jersey, which many Cubans are that live here now. So mm -hmm. the abuelos and abuelitas are going to 
adore you. Yeah, there's and, actually a lot more of us than people think. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. A, a lot of people have have come down to Miami. So, uh, you know, and you're fluent in Spanish. Yes. So you can speak with everyone uh, in the community. And right now there's only one female commissioner in Coral Gables, Pat Keon, Pat correct? Pat Keon, who is running for mayor against Vince Lago. So, uh, you know, I think that you're just going to make a great addition to, uh, you know, to the Coral Gables Commission. You've got a lot of work ahead of you, though, no, in that I race. One thing I can... You're running against you. the Valdez Fowley. You know, I, I don't know the son. I'm sorry, son. Oh, brother, Jose. But you both have the same problem. It's kind of like two dynasties are running against each other. I hate to say it like that because you That's are not. wants to pose it because, you know, it's like, you know, the political intrigue, you know, the Game of Thrones. And it's, it's so not that for me. Listen, and if, if it were the political intrigue in the Game of Thrones and make money, my father-in-law just got, you know, elected to Congress. I'd be in D.C. That's where the money is. That's where the influence is. It's, you know, a $33,000 commission job in Coral Gables is not really where the money is. So this is about my community. This is why I'm doing it. I think I it's care. great. I think it's a, a wonderful way. You know, Well, I was going to say for your children to be exposed, but your children have grown up in politics. No, and, yeah, and, they, and they love this. Um, my, my little one, the eight-year-old, uh, you know, Initially, she was very shy, you know, some years back. But this year, she's just come out of her skin and she's become quite the campaigner. Oh, really? So she was quite excited. She's going to be out there with. with and then my 11-year-old is very progressive. So she's excited about, you know, the environmental issues, sustainability. And then she told me, but, you know, if you think I'm only interested in that, that's kind of predictable, mom. I also care <laughs> about the traffic issues. You know, you're afraid about me walking in the streets and, and riding my skateboard. And so, you know, what are you going to do about that, mom? And I was like, okay, well, Mr. Short her my talking points <laughs> you realize that you're you know listen it, it's great that they're you know involved you're going to be you're going to really get it probably attacked i would hope not you know because a lot of times they say that people don't attack women that's not true no, 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 in no, today's listen, listen, citizens I'm, united I'm to get attacked what they'll do is they'll create a political action committee and then they'll say no it wasn't me we would never attack a wife and mother I thought about this long and hard, okay? This is not, yes, it's my first time as a candidate, but it's not my first rodeo. I know what it is. <laughs> I know what's coming. And 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 to that- Watch out, because if you, she can, you know, you no, know, you are a sharp woman, you and know? So, listen, and if they attack me, they do so at their peril. And so, but, you know, to that point, I want to say that my family has been so incredibly supportive. And when I say my family, the Jimenez family, my adopted family. So what did uh, Congressman Jimenez say when you told him that you were going to file to run for Coral Gables? Well, funny story. So um, I, I made the decision to run like officially last Wednesday. And within an hour of me like telling one person, rumors start flying. And I'm like, okay. Then I hear a rumor that I that my father-in-law, whom I had not spoken to, whom has you know who has been quarantined, um, <laughs> had called people and, and was strong arming them on my behalf, whatever that means. And I'm like, oh my god, that's hilarious. And I'm like, I haven't even told him yet. And then it's your dad, I mean, not your dad. I'm sorry, your father-in-law. He's not the strong arming type. I'm, no, no, that... like. You know, and so I had to rush over to the house on Sunday. My mom, you know, my mother-in-law, she, you know, had talked to her. She knew that I was thinking about it, but I hadn't told her that the decision was final. And so I went over there and I said, let me, by the way, I don't know if you heard this. And uh, and I told him and he just said, well, you know, you know, you're going to get attacked, right? And I said, yeah, I know. And he goes, you know, it's going to be an onslaught, right? You're no longer behind the scenes. It's you. And I said, yes, I know. Then he, you know, cross-examined me why I wanted to do it. And, you know. Does it get really dirty in Coral Gables? Historically, no, it has been in recent years, but 
you know, I think that with my family name there, yes, absolutely. It's you need to build a coalition of residents. Uh, Coral Gables, if you are listening to this, would you share this feed? Get in touch with Tanya. She's going to need help because there's only a few months until this April 13th election that a lot of people don't even turn out to. How many residents are there in Coral Gables and how many people vote in these elections? No, actual residents like 30,000, I think. The actual, like, elected, it's about 30. I mean, sorry, elected, registered. And then the people that actually turn out, the last numbers that I looked at, it was like 6,000 in the election. Now, given everything that's happening, I anticipate that it's going to be, there's going to be a higher turnout. And um, unfortunately, I hate that they have these April elections. We really should be having elections during the regular year, so that way more residents can come out. Yeah. Because, you know, it's so easy to forget about an April election, something happens, you miss it. And by the way, it's an additional cost to, um, you know, to the residents. So really the only people that benefits is the candidates who are running. And no, the, and, and these the small consultants. political people that, mm -hmm. you know, the, the people that you hire that go out that uh, sometimes take advantage of certain senior citizens and, um, and fill out their ballots, mm -hmm. you know, in Miami beach that really happens. It's, it's, it's 10,000 people that vote in a city with 45,000 uh, registered voters. And uh, they were unable to fill out those ballots in a large election. So we were able to win this referendum recently as political activists, but we wouldn't have been able to do that in a regular election because there's a block of about 2000 votes that kind of swings the uh, election. Absolutely. And I wish it wasn't so, but it's politics it and is. all is fair in um, love and war. But listen, I like I said, I walked into this thoughtfully and so, I know that I'm putting myself and my family and not just the Jimenez family, but my, my children. You really need to get the women from Rise Up Florida involved in your campaign, too. Have you spoken to them? There's a group of no, no. Democratic women that will, uh, they're them, lovely. And um, I'm going Maria Bures and uh, I, I'm, oh, there's some, they were great. They helped me during my uh, election campaign and they were out for Daniela knocking on doors. Oh, I know that you supported Daniela Vincava. Mm -hmm. I read it. <laughs> in the, the Miami Herald, did they write that? They wrote no, like that they, was, uh, uh, political cortadita. Yeah. yeah, they said you know she donated here, but I mean, but listen, I think I'm a it's lifelong great. Democrat, so, but and, but but obviously, uh, you know, I can deal with Republicans. And your husband is a Republican. He's a Republican. I married into a Republican family, and so, look, I'm about balance. I'm about finding solutions, and I am a voice for the people. The reason I'm getting into this is not for money. It's not for fame. It's because there is a problem and I want to work with the community, a community that I'm part of that is at the very core of our family to get these issues resolved. You know, with all people want right now is to be heard. Okay. That's, and it's in Coral Gables, throughout other municipalities and nationwide. That's not a D issue. That's not an R issue. The people want to be heard. And they're not being heard and in Coral not, Gables. There are secret meetings and there's no social media presence. It really needs to be improved. Yeah. And after this and, year of closures, you know, and government really, you know, backdoor, nobody really understanding what's happening. People are fed up. They've been dealing with a lot. There's a lot of pain that has gone into this, whether, you know, you had the money and you could homeschool your kids without a problem and, and work on your business, but you were still juggling a million things. It still wasn't easy. You were still worried about, think about the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, was the food that you were delivering tainted? You know, was it? Oh, it was horrible. At the counter? beginning, I was, 
hand sanitizing 20 sanitizing times. I was trying not to touch my trying face. Trying to figure out that online, <laughs> you know, system to homeschool, trying to do your work at the same time. No, and it's still stressful now. Like three different people called me today and said, you know, are you going to get vaccinated? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am going to get vaccinated because I don't whether, you know, First of all, I'm probably going to be last on the list to get the vaccine, but I don't want to discourage somebody who probably should get the vaccine no, it, from getting it. So, you know, you try to I want to be, you know, proactive. And I think that we're coming to, you know, an end of this nightmare. Um, it's really I don't you know, know. I hope so. But distribution issues with the vaccine. I mean, are we going to have it by yeah. July? Are we going to have it later than that? Um, oh, and there's this other issue um, that I wanted to bring up before we wrap this up. Um, the Wawa issue. Mm -hmm. I keep seeing it. There was a piece of land while Jimmy Morales was county commissioner that he uh, had transferred to a homeowners association mm -hmm. for $10. And yes. that land was slated for affordable and workforce housing. Yes. Right. And it is in the bohemian part of the community. Is that in Coral Gables? Yeah, is that why? It's known as the Black Grove. Okay. So it's the Black Grove. And um, but it's part of the Gables, but it's known as the Black Grove. So why is this so controversial in Coral Gables right now? What role is Coral Gables playing in it? And I know that they want to put a gas station on it now. And this homeowners association is in charge of it. And they have some deal with the Wawa's developer. Um, Basically, you know, it was it started as, you know, a development for affordable mm -hmm. housing. And then it's, you know, changed and changed and nothing was built. Mm -hmm. And then there was a reverter clause in the um in the agreement that the county had with the homeowners association at that point the hoa gets into litigation with the county and there's some supposed settlement that goes on between the city of coral gables and the county that then allows for uh the new developer to build this wawa there and for the city to bypass any due process you know no notification to residents to the school board public meetings anything. And so all of a sudden, this tract of land that was supposed to initially go for affordable housing for a historic community that is in need is now becoming a gas station with six pumps within feet, within feet of, a, of, a, of, a, school. of a school, of an elementary school. The school board wasn't notified. The parents didn't know. Um, there's potential, you know, uh, toxic impacts from the gasoline, you know, alcohol, the junk food. No, the but traffic, more, more importantly, safety. it's not supposed to be a gas station no, that not. somebody's getting for who knows how much money they're paying. And I heard that there was very little public benefit. And hopefully you will advocate oh, um, against the gas station Wawa and get in touch with I think there's one PTA, the head of the PTA at the elementary school yeah, next door, Carver PTA. Um, get involved with them. And I know that uh, attorney David Winker is kind of filing the lawsuit for them. So hopefully you will get in touch for them soon. So to wrap this up, why should everyone support you in Coral Gables? Why should people vote for you? Tell them right there. Because, uh, <laughs> right there? Where am I looking? I'm looking at the wrong camera all the time. Great. Okay. Because I am here to get the job done. I am here to be a voice of the people. I have the experience and I have the love and dedication for this community. It is at the very core of my family. It matters to me. I live within blocks and I will be your voice. I love it. Vote Tanya Cruz Jimenez on April 13th. We're starting early. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What did you think?